Bible today. Let's open up to Proverbs chapter 16. And I'm actually going to try to do the whole chapter. So we should be done in a couple of hours. Um, no, you know, at first I thought maybe not even use notes, but we're going to kind of touch on these things. Some of them we'll just kind of read. And so hopefully the Lord will help us get through in about 35 minutes. Verse 1, it says, The preparations of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. And I believe this is uh, true for all of us here. Anyone who wants God to speak through you. You know, we do our part. We get our hearts right. We prepare. We pray. Maybe even you study. But at the end of the day, we want it to be His words. So the preparation of the heart, Lord, get my heart right. I don't want no sin inside of me. Uh, I study. Uh, I'll, I'll try to get ready for whatever the, the, it might be a teaching opportunity. It might be you uh, confronting somebody or, or evangelizing somebody. But at the end of the day, uh, what we want is that the answer to come from the Lord. Jesus said in Matthew 10, 19, But when they deliver you up, do not worry about how or what you should speak, for it will be given to you in that hour what you should speak. And so the Lord here was talking about how those times they would stand before great men, presidents or whatever, kings, those in ruling of authority. And he said, uh, don't worry about what you're going to say. So I, I don't know. I mean, there is an aspect of maybe, you know, we shouldn't even premeditate um, I, I know there's a place for that, but I also believe that it's okay to study, it's okay to pray, it's okay to think things through, but it's not okay to worry. Listen, you're a vessel. You're a vessel. And if you're listening to the Lord, He will tell you what to say and He will speak through you. And that's a beautiful thing we see here in this passage. Jeremiah 1.9 says, And the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. And that's what God will do. It's a cool thing. Verse 2, it says, All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirits. And so most of the time we show ourselves a ton of grace uh, we think we're pure, we think we're good, we're okay. Um, but um, Paul the Apostle wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, uh, I try to check my heart, make sure my motives are right. But listen, I, I, I'm not going to let a human court judge me. I can't even judge myself. As far as I know, I'm doing things good. But one day, the judge, Jesus, will be the one with the final word. And so, um, you know, we think we're good. Hopefully we are. Ultimately, we'll find out when we stand before Jesus as far as the Bema seat goes. See, the Lord, He weighs the spirits. He looks deep within us and He knows all our motives. You know, when you weigh yourself, I know we do that physically at times. We try to find out where we're at. We need to do that spiritually as well. We don't want to just be chaff. We want to be substance. We want to be uh, Christians who have that heart for the Lord. You know, I was thinking about the book of Daniel. I was thinking about the king, Belshazzar. And as he was there and they were partying, he threw a thousand, he threw a party for a thousand of his lords and there was his wife and concubines and they were drinking. And then he said, hey, get the, the vessels, the gold, the silver. Can you imagine having so much money that you're drinking cups of gold and silver? They had taken them from the temple of Jerusalem. But then as they're there and they're having their way, imagine all the authority of being the king of a nation 
Then a hand appeared and it wrote on the wall, Mene, Mene, Tekel, Abharsin. And Daniel came, uh, to make a long story short, and he told the king, You've been weighed in the balance, and you've been found wanting. You know, he thought he was, you know, all that. But man, God said, I'm, I know who you really are. And tonight, your kingdom will be stripped from you and given to the Medes and the Persians. And so, you know, we have to make sure we don't weigh ourselves. You, you get with the Lord. You know, whenever you really spend time with the Lord and you listen, I believe he will show you things that need to change. Verse 3, it says, Commit your works to the Lord and your thoughts will be established. Now, there's a couple of ways of looking at this passage. Proverbs 16.3 in the NLT, it says, Commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed. And so, you know, you commit your work, whatever the work is, and hopefully you are all working for the Lord. You've got some work that you're engaged in for Jesus. So you commit it to the Lord. You act for the Lord like the, in the book of Acts. Then you're going to be successful. That's what one way of looking at it. But another way is when you look in the Hebrew language, it's pretty interesting. The word commit in the Hebrew, it literally means to roll. To roll. And so sometimes I, I move things at my house, and if I'm by myself, I can't pick it up or whatever. And so I kind of roll it, you know? And, and so what he's kind of saying, I think here, if you look at the Hebrew language, first of all, the word roll, and secondly, the word thoughts. Now, the NIV, the NLT, they use the word plans, but this word in the Hebrew, it's usually thoughts. And so basically what God is saying here is that when you've got heavy things going on in your life, you can't bear them. All you can do is roll them to God. And as you roll them to God, all of a sudden your thoughts are established. All of a sudden you get this peace that surpasses understanding. And the parallel passage is in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7 where it has the same concept, casting all your cares on him because he cares for you. If you can't sleep, if your thoughts are, are driving you crazy, it's simply because you have not yet given that, rolled that over, cast your care to him. Verse 4, it says, The Lord has made all for himself, yes, even the wicked for the day of doom. And so all creation, all of it is kids. They're all for himself. You know, Romans eleven thirty six. it says, For of him and through him and to him are all things, to whom be glory forever. Amen. And so uh, it's all for him. Uh, one of the cool things, you know, you don't want to just look at the negative. We'll get there in just a second. But you were made for him. That's awesome. That's uh, all. You're, you were made for him. And that's why you only find your satisfaction in a personal relationship with the Lord. I've learned that no one or nothing else is enough. No one or nothing else can fill that void. And that's why it is so critical that we keep our eyes on the Lord. You know, we're, we're made for him, but he says here at the end of verse 4, even the wicked for the day of, of doom. Now, this doesn't mean that the wicked were made to be doomed. It doesn't mean that the wicked had no choice. 
that before time began, God chose them to perish. No, you guys know, right? Second Peter 3, 9, it says, uh, I'm sorry, First Peter 3, 9, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Second Peter 3, 9. And First Timothy 2, 4, it says that God desires all people to be saved. And so we have to understand that we're not Calvinists. We are people who believe the Bible. And God provides that opportunity for anyone and everyone to be saved. But what we discover is that when the wicked go the way they've chosen, eternity without God. I don't want you. I don't want your word. I don't want your ways. I don't want Jesus. When people make that choice, then one day when they stand before him, it's going to glorify God. They will experience justice. And what happens when we see that, when we see that happening and people cast into the lake of fire, when we see that, we as his children will be trophies of grace and we will be eternally overwhelmed with the great salvation that we have received. And God will be glorified. Verse 5, it says, Everyone proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Though they join forces, none will go unpunished. And so we see this a lot in the Proverbs. I pray that we would run from any form of pride because God hates it. He'll punish it. And what he says right here is, Even if all the prideful people get together, you know, it's like a, a million ants, you know, in the Battle of Armageddon or even after the Millennial Kingdom when the nations gather together to come against Christ. It'll be like a million ants and he's just going to step on them, right? <laughs> in, in verse uh, 6, it says, In mercy and truth, atonement is provided for iniquity, and by the fear of the Lord, one departs from evil. I like that psalm, and I thought of this when I read it. Psalm 85, verse 10. It says, Mercy and truth have met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed. I don't know if you guys saw it uh, earlier today. I, maybe it's just me, but when I was sitting there and I was looking up at the sky, there was a cross. It was sideways, but it was a cross like this and like this with the clouds. And I thought, wow, Lord, um, when, when mercy and truth, they meet, righteousness and peace, when they kiss, that's where we see that salvation, there at Calvary. You know, when we look at this, we can honestly, righteously, truthfully be forgiven in the Lord Jesus Christ. What's mercy? Mercy is not getting what you deserve. What do we deserve? We deserve hell forever and justifiably so. That's what we deserve because when we sin, we sin against God, the holy God, the righteous God. I was thinking about it the other day, how, be, you know, before I was a Christian, I, I, all my near-death experiences, and I was just crying in my garage. I was saying, Lord, you could have killed me. I could be in hell right now. But he showed me mercy. He didn't give me what I deserved and the truth is that his blood, Revelation chapter 1, verse 5, it washes away my sins. You know, Acts chapter 20, verse 28, it says that Jesus purchased the church with his own blood. Notice there again in verse 6, in mercy and truth, atonement is provided for iniquity. 
It's at the cross where we have uh, that forgiveness. Atonement in the Old Testament was a covering. Uh, in the New Testament, it's taking your sins and casting them as far as the east is from the west and remembering them no more. They're completely obliterated by the blood of Jesus Christ. They're provided for by him. Remember the story in Genesis chapter 22 when God told Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac. And you guys remember uh, he went up there uh, and, you know, Abraham and him are talking. And, uh, you know, uh, Isaac is saying, hey, you got the wood and you got the 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 fire but where's the sacrifice and the lord spoke through abraham and he said the lord will provide himself a sacrifice and that's where we see that name of god jehovah jireh god will provide you know i i know sometimes we don't really understand what sin is how it's die cast rebellion against god and a lot of times we take it lightly but the fact that we're forgiven, when he looks at you, he sees no sin. You know, when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, he washes it all away. And he makes you as white as snow. It's there in Jesus. And that should drive us every day to live a life of gratitude. This should lead us to a healthy reverence, awe, and fear of the Lord. Listen, if we're cleansed from evil and kept from evil, we should depart from evil. And that's what it says right here. In mercy and truth, atonement is provided for iniquity, and by the fear of the Lord, one departs from evil. Verse 7, it says, When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. And so you guys know, as we've gone through the Proverbs, that not every single one of them is an absolute precept. You're going to have people, and they're going to hate you because you're a Christian. They're just going to hate you. They just hate the, the fact that you're a Christian and all that you stand for. But there's also there's those times. There's what's called a, a general precept, a general principle, as opposed to an absolute precept. There are those times where, you know, uh, you, you love the Lord. You're, you're a person who cares. You're kind. You're not, you know, one of those judgmental, demeaning, uh, cruel, um, obnoxious Christians. You're like, they're like Jesus. Um, sometimes God will give you favor with people. And Joseph is a good example of that. When he was in jail, uh, the one that was over him liked him. And also Daniel in Babylon. And so there will be those times where God will give us favor with those who would normally be our enemies. But there is also that passage in Romans twelve eighteen. It says, if it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. But it's not always possible. Verse 8 says, Better is a little with righteousness than vast revenues without justice. And so hopefully we understand the revenues refer to our income and gain. You know, you got guys out there, they're driving some pretty cool cars, man. The drug dealer, the pimp, the crook, the one who gains their stuff through uh, crime. But what happens is they make and take a lot of money, but in the heart, and in God's eyes, what we discover as Christians is that it's infinitely better just to make an honest living. There's something beautiful about that because unfortunately we, we value people by how much they make and we shouldn't do that. It's just so cool when you see some people, they're serving the Lord. I mean, and I see it here at the church, if I could just say this, 
they volunteer. Uh, all the hours that they pour in and sacrifice here and they don't get paid and they volunteer, they could be making some money somewhere else. But they understand this, that, you know, it's better just a, a little, man. An honest life, that's cool, I'm getting by, and it's not about the money. We see here next in verse 9, a man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. I remember one time I was going to do an interview for um, my testimony, and they were kind of wanting to find out about my life as a pastor and how did it all happen. And the Lord gave me this verse. I think in many ways it's one of my life verses. Uh, a man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his step. And, you know, we, I think it's good to plan. I, I think we have that human responsibility. But it's so cool when you're just open. Lord, here we go. Close doors, open doors. And then he closes doors. And then you're over here. And then this happens. And the next thing you know, it's different than maybe what you had initially thought. I never thought I would be a pastor. But I thank God that he gave me that grace. And uh, I'm blessed. Um, I, I really am. You know, some people will say, well, it's 50-50, you know, human responsibility and God's sovereignty. But the Lord's been showing me lately that i got to be careful with that. You know, it's, it's more God's sovereignty than you might realize. I was thinking if you guys can visualize this. Okay, picture a barbell. You guys have been to, ever been to the gym? How many of you been to the gym? You know, those big barbells. So picture on this side, you got 45 plates on there, man, and they're just whatever, four or five uh, plates on this side. And then on this side, you know, this is God's side. This is my side. And on this side, there's no plates, you know. <laughs> it's just the bar. Okay, and so then Jesus lifts up his side, and then I lift up my side. And we go through life together. It's not... I was I was even thinking, Manny, be careful with that word balance. It's not really even all that balanced. He's doing it, man. He's caring. He's sovereign. He's opening doors. He's moving in my heart. He is the one who's sovereign over our life. Yeah, I'll do what I can. But ultimately, I, I pray that you guys would know his plans for you are good. The key is just seeking him. The key is making sure you pray about things, and then God moves in great ways. The next three passages are about kings. And so, verse 10, it says, Divination is on the lips of the king, and his mouth must not transgress in judgment. If you go down to verse 12, it says, It is an abomination for kings to commit wickedness, for a throne is established by righteousness. Righteous lips are the delight of kings, and they love him who speaks what is right. And so, three verses about kings. Obviously, the king of a country has been given a great responsibility to administer justice for all. And right here in verse 10, he speaks of divination. And what that is in reference to is the divine aspect of what it means to be a king, because God is the one that put him there. And there's that aspect of divinity in that sense. God is the one who allowed him to be there. 
In Psalm 75, 6 and 7, it says exaltation comes from God. And we see the same thing in Romans 13, verse 1, how God is the one who puts people in positions of authority. And so uh, we have this truth. And I kind of like the way the NLT puts it. It says it this way. The king speaks with divine wisdom. He must never judge unfairly. And that's one thing I learned even as a pastor too. But prayerfully, you guys are always making fair judgments. You're not showing favoritism while they're my friend, whatever. Do business transactions with a scale and you put your grain on this side and whatever. You got the, the silver on this side and once it balances out, you know, that's how you would transact your deals. And so what we have right here is another warning for us to make sure that we're squeaky clean in all our business deals. When we're completely, totally on the up and up, it's as if it's God's weights, it says right here. God's scales. Hey, uh, where'd you get those? Uh, they're, they're perfectly balanced. And, um, and it, you, the answer is from God. You know, and I want to encourage you guys because I know I wonder sometimes, like, how do these salesmen do it, man? You know, because I'm sure you go in there to buy a car. And, uh, you know, once they find out you're a Christian, then suddenly they're Christians. You guys ever notice that? And, uh, and you know, they're telling you they're getting you the, good, the best deal. I, it must be difficult to be a salesman because you're trying to make more money. You're just trying to make money. But imagine, you know, even a salesman who's an honest person. You know, sometimes I think we could even, you know, be selling our car and, you know, that either they want it, they offer you too much money for it. You know what it's been through. And, you know, the Lord is going to even challenge us on things like that. So, you know, very practical things that we experience in life. Verse 14, it says, Messengers of death is the king's wrath, but a wise man will appease it. In light of the king's face is life. And his favor is like a cloud of the latter rain. Now, obviously, you have human kings. And, you know, especially back in that day, your life was in their hands. So you got to be careful, right? But now we have the king of kings, right? And so one of the things that I, I pray that we would always have is a healthy fear of the Lord, man. Because if we don't, then we might get God angry right here. It talks about the king's wrath. And there are some people out there and it just, um, you know, we're living in this world and we have all these liberals that don't want to acknowledge God. They, they don't want to speak of Jesus. Uh, they don't want to read the Bible in their schools. They don't want anything to do with prayer. You know, like if something happens, some crazy calamity in the world that we live in, they say, oh, they don't, they don't like, like it when we say we pray. Oh, we don't want prayer. We want action. Well, we can't act until we've prayed. But all I'm saying is that there's these crazy things that are going on and these crimes towards children I've been reading about lately. It's just horrendous as, the, as things get darker. And what they're doing is they are arousing the wrath of the king. And that's why it's so important that we come to Jesus because he is the only way that we can stand before that wrath. Verse 16, it says, How much better to get wisdom than gold and to get understanding is to be chosen rather than silver. And I don't know, maybe it's not true for everybody, but I think that 
especially in America, you're probably going to face that crossroads one day. What do you choose, wealth or wisdom? Which will you choose? You know, if, I think what can happen, and I don't know, you know, if you guys have ever experienced this, but you get something, you get a, a toy, and, you know, maybe it's a car. Uh, I don't know. And, you know, next thing you know, those things, those possessions, they begin to possess you. I mean, it could be uh, an iPad. It could be a computer. And God had been telling you, well, can you read your Bible? Let's, let's, let's just open up your Bible. Let's read it together. Because what happens was when you get on that computer, you start going online. You start looking at all these different apps. And next thing you know, you're checking your emails and your text messages. And, and we were supposed to be spending time together. Um, all I know is that the more stuff you get, the more time it consumes. I love the concept of traveling light. Just travel light because, man, you can run with endurance. So now as I'm getting older, I'm hoping and praying that I can just strip myself of all these things, clean out my closets, clean out my garage, and, you know, travel light for the Lord. Here we see in verse 17, the highway of the upright is to depart from evil, and he who keeps his way preserves his soul. And so, again, I, I really, I, I believe strongly in the acronym ACTS when you pray, A-C-T-S. Start your prayer with adoration, but then spend some quality time in confession, Spend some time in confession. I actually time myself in all these different things. I'm weird. You know, and then you get into supplication. And I have a, a, a pattern. I pray for my family. I pray for our pastors. I pray for the church. I pray for the requests that come in. But the confession part of it is very important. Because as you're there and, you know, you want to come clean with God, He will show you the evil that you need, that we need to depart from. And so it's interesting here because I think he's talking to believers. He says right there, it's a, it's a highway of the upright. That's a believer. It's to depart from evil, right? But it says right here, he who keeps his way preserves his soul. And, and so when I read that, I'm like, okay, Lord, I think you're communicating what Jude said in Jude verse 21. Keep yourselves, keep yourselves in the love of of God because there are many people who went on that highway and they're not on that highway anymore and if you want to, to argue Calvinism Arminianism once saved always saved all that kind of stuff go ahead all I can tell you is this that they used to serve in the Lord and they used to sit in those seats and some of them used to preach from this pulpit and now they're no longer to be found whether they lost their salvation or whether they were never saved I don't know but we need to keep ourselves it says right there keep our way and as we do we preserve our soul and so you keep yourselves in the love of God in that sphere of blessing John 15 just says you abide in the vine stay there rest in Jesus we're not talking about works we're talking about resting in Jesus you keep going to church service believe it or not that's a big thing you can tell a lot about a person usually, you know, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian, and they, but they have no church connection whatsoever. And so we abide in prayer, the word, fellowship, and communion, it says in Acts 2.42. 
Verse 18, it says, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. And so, I, you know, maybe you're here today and you're thinking, I'll never fall. <laughs> you know, I could think that. I'm a pastor. I'm busy about the ministry. But that's exactly what this proverb is warning us of. Uh, Peter thought he would never fall. The Lord told them, you guys are going to deny me. And there's just that whole thought, that concept. He said, absolutely not. There is no way I could ever deny you. I love you. But Jesus said, well, Peter, as a matter of fact, tonight before the rooster crows three times, you're going to deny me three times. And so you guys remember what happened with Peter is he had, first of all, the overconfidence. Then when Jesus took him to pray, he didn't pray. He was too tired. He was too sleepy. He couldn't watch and pray. So the overconfidence led to a life of prayerlessness. And then what ends up happening is you watch his whole thing happen. He didn't follow Jesus at a distance. We can do that. And the next thing you know, he's warming himself by the enemy's fire. And that's how he fell. And so I'm sure it was something that gave the enemy ammunition for the rest of his life. Of course, we know Jesus restored him. Jesus forgave him. But man, sometimes those falls, they do a lot of damage. And so we have to make sure that we don't think that we're beyond it because that's the perfect formula for disaster. If you say it'll never happen to you, then you probably will have moved to the front of the line. Better to be of a humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. He who heeds the word wisely will find good. And whoever trusts in the Lord, happy is he. I tell you what, you know, you just read your Bible with a heart to obey. You seek God in sincerity. You guys are blowing me away coming out on a Thursday night. I'm so proud of you. If it's for, if it's for real, then you're going to find good things. And uh, it's even the, the word happiness such a beautiful promise from God. The wise in heart will be called prudent, and sweetness of the lips increases learning. The heart of the wise teaches his mouth and adds learning to his lips. And so imagine taking a class like on how to talk or whatever, how to be nice in your words. Proverbs 31 talks about that woman who, she's got the law of kindness on her lips. You know, Colossians chapter 4 in, in verse 6, it talks about the speech that seasons with salt and grace and it's just a beautiful thing. And so verse 23, you, you kind of teach your mouth to, to speak like that. And what ends up happening is then your, your, your speech is sweet. And right there where it says, and the lips increase learning, that's actually in reference to you speaking and others wanting to learn. Um, Augustine, Augustine, he heard one man named Ambrose preach. And the man preached with sincerity. The man, he was gifted with eloquence. The man worked hard at his preaching. And it was that beautiful preaching of Ambrose that brought Augustine, this intellectual, to the Lord. Verse 22, it, it says, Understanding is a wellspring of life to him who has it, but the correction of fools is folly. 
And so imagine having a wellspring of life, you know, that, that fountain uh, perpetually there. It's a beautiful thing when you have wisdom, when you have understanding, and it's something that's only provided through the, through the Word of God. But then there's the fool. It says discipline really is what it's saying. Discipline is wasted on fools. And so God disciplines us, and hopefully we um, respond properly. Verse 24 can actually be studied together in conjunction with verse 21. Pleasant words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul, and health to the bones. Um, just out of curiosity, how many of you here like sweets, if you're honest? You know? Uh, I know I, you guys got to pray for me because every night I feel like I deserve at least one chocolate uh, Hershey, man. <laughs> You know, but this is not the sweetness for the body. This is a sweetness for the soul. And there's something about those words that are appropriate. Verse 25 is a heavy verse. It says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. And I tell you what, we live in a world that questions everything we say as Christians. In other words, they question the word of God. They're like, well, it doesn't seem right to them. It doesn't seem right that being gay is a sin. You know, it doesn't seem right that there's only one way to heaven. It doesn't seem right that there would be this place called hell where people are punished forever, perpetually, where the fire is not quenched. It, it doesn't seem right. But, but where were you when the world was made? How can we tell God, that's not right, I don't agree with that? He, he made everything. Unfortunately, what happens is these people are rejecting the truth because of their own uh, knowledge, which is limited, to say the least. There is a way that seems right to a man. It, it seems right. But its way is the end of death. Its end is the way of death. And so we need to be really careful that all of our, our beliefs, all of our convictions especially when we're talking about life and, and divine things come from the scriptures. Verse 26, it says, The person who labors, labors for himself, for his hungry mouth drives him on. And I, I read it in the New King James, it sounds negative, but um, really what it's saying is that it's good to have an appetite because it keeps you working. Second uh, Thessalonians 3.10 says, If you don't work, you don't eat. And so it's kind of cool. Verse 27 says, An ungodly man digs up evil, and it is on his lips like a burning fire. A perverse man sows strife, and a whisperer separates the best of friends. And I, to be honest, I just can't understand how some people are like this. You know, they want to get the, the junk. They want to discover the trash they go looking for it they go digging for it and then what they want to do is they want to go talk and they want to go gossip and they want to go slander and they want to go say negative and backbiting things about people and what it does is it's so ugly it separates even the best of friends and so i tell you what be so careful friends be so careful in the things that you say I don't know why. I think some people, they just, they're wired that way. And you need to be rewired. 
Verse 29, it says, A violent man entices his neighbor and leads him in a way that is not good. He winks his eye to devise perverse things. He purses his lips and brings about evil. And so basically what we see here, it reminds me of a fine young man that used to attend Calvary Chapel Almani. If any of you guys met him, you would have thought, man, this, this kid, he's such a respectful young man. He loves the Lord and, you know, a good guy. But he moved away and he started hanging out with the wrong people. And they ended up being violent people. Next thing you know, they give him a knife. Next thing you know, they're in a fight. Next thing you know, he stabs somebody. And he's doing 25 years in prison. That's what happens. That's what these violent people can do to anyone. Verse 31, it says, A silver-haired head is a crown of glory if it is found in the way of righteousness. And so, you know, we know uh, Proverbs twenty twenty nine: the glory of young men is their strength and the splendor of old men is their gray head. I think there should be a respect for our elders, you know, who have that gray hair. And the Bible calls it here a crown of glory because usually, not always, but usually when you get older, you work smarter, not harder. And then that becomes applicable both physically and spiritually. If, because it takes time, if you've learned those lessons in life, if you've taken the time to be reading your Bible through and all those years they begin to add up and you've been listening to studies and you've been learning how to apply those things and you're learning the lessons from all the people out there who are making those crazy mistakes and you learn from your own mistakes. And so it takes years to come to that place. But hopefully when you do, when you get the gray hair, it's a crown of glory. But it's only if, it, right here it says if, it is found in the way of righteousness. Verse 32 says, He was slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. And so imagine, you guys, I don't know, that sounds weird, huh? But imagine, like, hey, you know, your, your mission is to conquer that city over there, you know? Imagine how difficult that would be, how challenging that would be. Sometimes there's just fortresses all around it, walls. The Bible says it's more difficult to conquer yourself than it is to conquer a city. But I tell you what, by the Holy Spirit and by that cross of Jesus Christ, we can. You know, I, I love, there's this new album by Lecrae, and I know some people don't like him anymore, but I still like his music a lot. I really do. And I've just been working out to it, and there's this one song in there where he talks about how uh, the way that you lose self-control is when you put it on cruise control. But it sounds better when he raps it. It sounds a lot better. <laughs> but don't put it on cruise control. You know, we have to be in the Word, filled with the Holy Spirit, in love with the Lord, in prayer, and then hopefully we can conquer ourselves. Verse 33 says, A lot is cast into the lap, but its every decision is from the Lord. Now, the lot, uh, for a bit, lack of better comparison, is kind of like a dice. And in those days, you know, one of the ways they determined the will of the Lord was uh, through the, the lot, and they would cast the lot. And it was God's way of leading and revealing things uh, we see throughout the Old Testament. And it, to me, when, when you read this right here, I think the main thing that he's trying to say is that the God of the universe was involved even in this 
the casting of lots. It's every decision, the way that it lands, is from the Lord. When it was done with the right intention, God would use something like this. And I don't know, I just was thinking about this and how when I play Yahtzee, this is why I always win, because I always pray, Lord, it says in your word. No, I'm just joking. I was just thinking how personal God is. Let me tell you guys two things and then we're done, okay? So uh, one, I don't know if you're going to capture this, but it's inside of me. I have a K-cup machine. Do you guys know what those K-cup machines are? Okay, so oh, for a long time, I had to get the filters and I had to get the coffee because the, the K-cups, they're more expensive. And so you get the coffee can for nine bucks and you get the filters and then you're good. And so for a long time, I just, we did it that way. But then I felt like the Lord, I sensed the Lord say, okay, um, I'm allowing you now to, to do the K-cups. I know they're a little more expensive, but, you know, I know you're trying to be a good steward. And so I felt like the Lord said, go ahead and buy K-cups. And, uh, you know, you're, you're thinking you're making the right decision. And it just so happens that that week, someone from the church randomly gave me K-cups. Now, when, I, when that happens, I don't know. You're like, well, I don't get the connection. When that happens, I'm like, Lord, you're so personal with me. You, you, it's like you're saying, here I am, I'm thinking I'm making the right decision. And the Lord is saying, yeah, I'm with you. Just keep being a good steward. Stuff like that. And then, you know, when we're redoing the sanctuary, um, I was talking to, to Henry, and we're just making these decisions on, on different things and just trying to, again, be led by the Lord. And so, you know, we're, we're figuring out we want to put flooring in the front and then the carpet in the back. And so it was, uh, it was pretty cool. Well, kind of. I don't know. It goes both ways. We came in yesterday, and what had happened was the restaurant had some work done, and the water just flooded into the sanctuary. But the cool thing is the flooring that we put there is completely waterproof. They, gave, they did such a great job, and, and uh, it, it reached far, but it didn't do damage because of the flooring. And, uh, and I just felt like the Lord saying, yeah, uh, perfect timing, you know? I'm with you. Big decisions, little decisions. It's a good thing you put that floor in there, the Lord said, because otherwise that carpet would have been ruined. And so the Bible says when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Lord will raise a standard against him. And yeah, it's a spiritual battle that we're in. But I pray that we would know, you know greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world, and he's personal. He's with you. If you believe in Jesus, he is for you. He has accepted you in the beloved. You are his child. Don't let the enemy condemn you because I really believe that as we get our lives right with God, as we're departing from evil, um, that God is going to work in us and through us. And so if you're here tonight and you don't know the Lord or you've been struggling in your walk with him, or if you were watching on online, I pray that you would not let this night end. You would not leave without making a firm decision to take up your cross and follow him. Because if you do, man, he will lead you all the way to heaven and he will bless you along the way.